Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Part of what we're going to do here in a second is we're actually going to give uh, our youth an opportunity to give some testimonies about what God did at youth camp weeks ago. Uh, It was really, really good. And so uh, before I bring up the youth, we're going to watch a quick video slideshow of what God did at youth. And Pastor Eric is going to come up and and, uh, have these kids come up and give testimonies. And then we're going to go into a time of worship. Come on up, teens. If you went to teen camp, come on up. I don't know if you noticed that camp champ, there was 10 different churches. There was, I think, 15 different teams. And our legacy team won. We beat them all out. Woo! Awesome. We got everyone up here. Woo, so I noticed as an overall that every one of our teens ended up bonding really well together. I happened to listen to a podcast actually the other day that said for people to create deep connection, they have to experience new things together. And so for a lot of them, they've never been to camp or they've never been to this camp. Uh, they've never been on a banana boat. That sucker was definitely a highlight of the activities, being thrown off that banana boat. But then when you get thrown off the banana boat, whoever survived on it had to help the others get up back on it and so they had to work together as a team and figure out who would be strong enough to help the rest get back on and work together and shift places so we'd be well balanced and it was just amazing to see our teens grow together and with the adult leaders as well so that they know that they have a trusted friend that they have deep roots that they are connected that they have someone who has the same values as them that they have someone that they can trust and talk to and know that they won't be judged but understood and so that's just one testimony from me I want you all to hear some testimonies from our teens. Anyone have a testimony? Um, So before we went, I was just, I just, I just don't know how to, I just lost kind of hope in my generation, just seeing all the people in my school. It was just hard to keep hope for us. And just going to youth camp and seeing so many people my age, one voice, one cry to God, just partying and worshiping for him was just so incredible to see. Um, it was really good just connecting with the youth for me because it was little things like putting glitter on our face for pep rally thing and like, throwing balls like in between one another and like just the team play and eating lunch with one another. It was just like, and walking the sunrise and stuff. It was the little things that just so mattered and so connected us. And I want to thank y'all, so many of y'all for scholarshiping us too, because it was so generous and seeing that connection, seeing just like that love and the worship that happened the next Wednesday afterwards, we were all so connected and we were all worshiping together. And it was just so beautiful to see that relationship between one another is cool. I love at camp how there's these little campfires around with logs. Just go sit out there, pray with God. It's so much fun. Um, one of the things was like, don't don't leave Jesus there. Like, take him home with you. And as soon as I got home, <clears throat> I was on the phone with my friends. And out of random, my Alexa in my room just started playing worship music. And I was like, um, that's how I knew Jesus came home with me. That's recording. Okay. So on the last night, whenever people were getting delivered by demons, um, healed, the during worship, my hands were shaking, my legs were shaking, my head felt warm, and the, uh, the ground felt like the dock near the banana boats it was shaking like it was super loud shaking because how much god loved us it was like shaking the last night was really cool because everybody i felt like was doing something powerful like prophetic everybody was on the ground people were having encounters with the holy spirit getting demons cast out of them praying for people but one of the best parts for me is that there were like no adults helping it was just everything that we had gathered being poured into one little worship service okay well there's a lot (laughs) and it's hard to like compact it into one little thing um but 
so much went on. I, had, I got a renewed identity. So um, all my life I've always heard about the calling that my brothers have. And it's always people coming up to them and being like, you are this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this in the kingdom of God. And I love that so much. But whenever you're a giver and you give out, it's hard whenever you don't receive as much. And God, um, he revealed to me that I had the anointing in worship, in leading worship. Um, and that there's, I don't remember what scripture, but in the Bible it says that um, he sent the worshipers out before the battle. And that's why the battle was won. Um, it was probably just an awesome opportunity to pour into people that we didn't even know. And just the connection with God and seeing everyone our age that close to God, it just, it was awesome and incredible. Um, it really did something in my heart, seeing our age group just so close to God, and it was just an awesome feeling. Yeah. I was able to tell all of the miraculous healings and things that I saw at camp. I would be up here for hours, being able to tell you guys about how many people were healed and all the miraculous things and deliverance that was going on during that time. Um, I've never experienced anything like that in my entire life, and it, it changed my life forever. Um, but the biggest one that came up for me was whenever I was having doubts in my mind. Both, both, is it okay if I tell them? Yeah. Okay. So Jake and I both coming to this camp, we thought, you know, we don't want to go to this. It's, it's just going to be another summer camp. You know, we've been to a million of them. It's, it's not going to be any different. Um, we might get a few laughs and make a new, a new friend or two, but besides that, nothing could happen, you know. Um, but we, we had no clue what was going to happen. <laughs> we, you know, we were just sitting there, no idea what God was going to do, how he was going to move. But every single night, praise and worship was great. It was amazing until in the last night, final night, we were doing praise and worship, and the Holy Spirit fell on everybody. It was in, insane. People were all over the floor. I was playing floor as lava over all these people slaying the Spirit. And um, I was getting doubts in my mind about how you know, I've never seen a miraculous healing, a tangible healing in front of somebody. I've always had prayers at, you know, uh, Bibles, Burgers, and Bros, where, you know, someone would have a headache, and we'd pray for it, and they would get healed. But I never could see physically something happen, and that was always in the back of my mind. That was something that always came up for me as something that was very doubtful, and I didn't know if it was true or not. So I'm praising God. I'm ignoring those thoughts. And my buddy Ben, who's from a different youth group, he taps me on the shoulder and he says, hey, there's a girl that needs healing. Do you want to heal her? And I said, is that even a question? <laughs> okay, let's go heal her. So he grabs my hand and we take her over to this girl and she's just in awe of everything that's happening. She's never experienced anything like this in her entire life. And we go up to her and I say, what do you need healed for? And she says, my entire life I've had a crooked foot and a foot that has been shorter than the other since birth. And I was like, oh, okay, well, all right, so let's pray for this. So we put hands on her, and we start to pray for restoration from what God has given her up in heaven. So we prayed that down on her, and we spoke that in Jesus' name. And as soon as we started to pray that, and we spoke the Lord's name, because there's power in his name, right? He, she just, she just completely started to bawl, bawling. And I didn't know what was going on. I just kept on praying. But when we got done with the prayer, we asked her to walk. I need you to test it out. And I tell you right now, before then, she was walking up and down. She was teeter-tottering because of her leg. But when she started to walk, she was walking in a straight line, as straight as an arrow. And I'm praising God for that. And I, I will remember that for the rest of my life. But just know, God's coming after our generation. He's using us so much and he's coming after each and one of our identities there's such an identity issue going on in this generation and i speak against that in jesus name because god is the only one who can tell us who we are nobody else all right <laughs> so worship was fun and it was amazing but what really did it for me was after worship when I could see everybody still there. Because sometimes you go into worship and you get an encounter and then you sit back down. 
and then like, okay, well, we're done with that. But it was cool to see people continuing afterwards. I had three people come up to me and give me a prophetic word after the service had ended. And I had people come up telling me that God loves me and telling my friends that. And then me and my friends did that. And it was, it was really cool to see it continue out after. Okay, as you can hear from some of the testimonies here, I got to go and be blessed by these kids. We had tubs. We sat there. And these young men, they were men. We talked about Jesus. Man, the stuff they poured out of there was just awesome. And I loved every minute of it. Thanks, guys. And I'll tell you one thing. The moment we walked into that place and and I saw this is our team, I'm like, humble. They were they were so humble. There was other teams over there yelling, screaming. I mean, they were being crazy. Our team was humble. That's why we won. I tell you what, God looks on the humble. He looks on his children. So anyway, it was an awesome time. I appreciate all the things that we got to talk about. Everybody. Um, one of my favorite parts was devotionals because it's not just the hour that we take up, but it would it would lead on to the hour after that. And some people would stay and they just have a good conversation, and we'd go by a little pamphlet, but not we didn't always go by the pamphlet. We'd go off track and talk about what we need to talk about. So I was super excited for camp. I wasn't one of those people who wasn't excited. I was like, this is going to be so awesome. <laughs> but my, that's my son who didn't want to go. I'm like, you're going. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, I really wanted to go, but I was like, we have three kids. That's crazy. But Erica called me, and she's like, y'all can go. I'm like, shut up. That's so awesome. So thank you to everyone who helped give scholarships. Um, yes, y'all are awesome. Uh, we experienced so much crazy stuff, um, and it was like, the, the, to me, the number one greatest blessing was get to watch all of your kids. They didn't leave an ounce behind them. They put it all to him every single time, every single act, not just in worship. In every activity our team did, they all gave it their all. No one was sitting on the sidelines, and we are a little team, guys. Our story is a story of the underdog. We are little, our church isn't huge, and there's like huge groups of these people, and they were all dressed in the same color and like chanting and stuff, and I'm like, we ain't winning. <laughs> like, Jesus will come to us and motivate, like, it'll be spiritual, but like the fun part of camp, we're not going to win that. Like, it's fine, it's fine. And Hallie, my daughter, she's like, yeah, it's okay, Mom, it's all right. I'm like, our team's awesome, but we're little, so it's okay. Let me tell you something. They gave every single thing they had and every activity that we had. And I'm still like, we ain't going to win, like, the whole time. I'm like, but I'm like, I told them, I'm like, I underestimated y'all. They're awesome and stuff. And because we're so small, I participated in every single sport. I'm not athletic. In every single thing, here's me, 40 years old, like, running towards a little pool, throwing myself in the pool, running, squeezing my shirt down in a bucket, Okay, and I did it. I did everything they did, and I really felt like we were really a team, like we're one. And we're sitting there, we're waiting. They're like, third place goes to, to turquoise, and we're like, yay. We're just sitting there. They're like, second place goes to orange, and we were all kind of like, how's that possible? Because orange, they had it together. And we were like, okay, that's weird. I wonder who won. And I am not joking. None of us thought we were going to win. And they were like, the guy even said, are you sure this is right? <laughs> and when he said that, Holy Spirit was kind of like, Raina. And I looked up, and then he's like, blue. And I'm telling you, all the kids lifted. The whole entire three rows of people are like, whoosh, in the air, running and stuff. And I went and got that. I was like, and you know what? It wasn't us. It was God who did it. And he showed us that if we gave everything we had. 
if we give it all, he's going to reward us. Um, I just thought God gave me a real blessing meeting every single one of you that was at that camp. Um, Spencer, um, everyone, you, you, you two back there, all your friends, um, and everyone in that cabin, because when I came at that camp, um, I thought it was just going to be me and my cousin right here, Bonehead, um, uh, so, uh, I thought it was like a real blessing that I got to meet every single one of you. The things we did together was really great, and I feel really lucky to have all of y'all. So, so I just want to say that in worship, like on the second day of camp, uh, I felt nauseous, my stomach was hurting, I had a headache, and that, that night I just felt that God was putting his hand on my head. And I was just praying. Anyways, um, and I just felt God that night. All right, so that is just a fraction of our testimonies. Come talk to these kids afterwards and see if there's more. But Pastor Jay's going to release worship. But while he prays, I am commissioning everyone up here to just quickly lay hands on everyone's shoulder, whoever you can meet, for them to receive what you received and even more for the next level, for them to receive the power that we have received, the giftings that we have received, the talents that we have received. I just declare and commission y'all to go ahead and just give it out to them right now. Go for it, guys. Holy Spirit, you're present and you've already been working. We just ask now that you would Quicken our hearts, quicken our minds, quicken our spirits to receive everything that you want this morning. Lord, that we receive your word deep into our hearts so that it would actually uh, produce a crop that is a hundredfold more than what was planted. So we thank you that you've given us your word, that we don't have to guess what you're saying. You've already shown us what you say. And, we, and we're inviting that journey to discover more. So just have your way this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, once you turn to two passages of Scripture, Mark chapter 11, put a marker there, and Isaiah 55, 11. Mark chapter 11, and then flip backwards to Isaiah chapter 55. We're just going to read verse 11, so keep that open. I want to encourage you this. I, I, when I go to places, I don't like taking a ton of notes, so I do use my phone uh, for my Bible when I'm traveling, it just makes it easier. But I want to encourage you here, if this is your home, make sure you have a paper Bible with you. There's nothing like being able to actually flip through it, highlight it, right, go back to it and see what the Lord is doing in it. So I encourage you, bring your Bibles with you. Um, you need to know what God's saying, not what I'm saying. You're accountable to double check. What's said from the pulpit is what God said. So make sure you do that. So this morning I want to talk to you about this. There's a kingdom power and responsibility to declare and decree. We carry a kingdom power and a kingdom responsibility to declare and decree what God is saying, what he wants to happen in our generation. I was reminded of a prayer meeting happened a few years ago up in Austin and uh, one of the reasons we're part of the prayer court, uh, cover the court or prayer was there's this church, uh, Trey Kent's a pastor, I don't remember the name of the church, but he's a part of that. And, and at that time, they were also going through a major drought, Texas was specifically, but LBJ, all those lakes were like really, really way down, kind of like they are right now. And so the group of pastors were getting together and they're praying and like, man, Austin has just really become a liberal city. It's just really become, you know, all kinds of different immoral stuff happening. They were complaining to the Lord in a pastor's prayer meeting about how bad the, the cultural, culture was in Austin. And the Lord starts chuckling at them and says, you think it's Austin's problem? You think it's the pornographer's problem? You think it's, uh, he says, you think it's the mayor's problem? You think it's the Saudi city council's problem? And the Lord impressed upon their heart. Nothing happens in the city if the church doesn't allow it. I understand there's lots of things happening despite my best intentions. But what the Lord began to tell him is, is this. 
How about you stop holding an offense against sinful people who are lost for, for sinning? And how about you start taking responsibility in prayer and declaration and actually getting into the streets and releasing my kingdom and the problems will go away. And so they went and they prayed and the Lord says, and on top of this, I want you to go to city council itself and I want you to repent to the city council for judging them. <laughs> okay, you got to know you got the word from the Lord on it. So they literally set a meeting with the city council and the mayor. And it might have been Trey, I don't remember who it was, stood up in front of them and say, hey, there's, a, there's this drought's been going on and, and we want to confess and repent to you that we've held you responsible for the drought, the physical drought that's happening in our city, and we've blamed a lot of other things. But we want to repent to you and say, we're sorry for judging you. It's not actually your responsibility that a drought is upon our land. It's actually the church's responsibility, and we have abdicated our responsibility to pray. And, and the mayor's like, <laughs> you're like, you're crazy, right? They then hosted a prayer meeting that night. Thousands came from all over the city, and that night it began to rain. And within a month, LBJ and all the other lakes were refilled above where they had been at before. I'm just telling you, we have to get out of the bless me crowd, and we need to start becoming a blessing. We need to stop looking at the gospel of Jesus of what he can do for me instead of, wow, is he transforming? What has he already given me? What responsibility? If I'm born again, I need to go beyond just being born again. I was born again for a purpose. I was made in the image of God for a purpose. Adam and Eve were given a commission by God in the garden that says, take the dominion over all the earth and everything that crawls on the ground. He gave them a royal decree. He gave them a kingdom authority to bring transformation into a planet that was still developing and a planet that had the devil crawling on it. See, the Lord is calling us into a bigger place than we've ever been before. And what we have to really do is we have to get this down. We have to get beloved identity down. We have to settle in our hearts that if I'm born again, I am a beloved son. I am a beloved daughter. I don't have to work for his affection. He's already given it to me. But I do have to take responsibility for what he's entrusted me with. He's called me to be his friend that carries out the works of God. He's called me to be a son so I know what I've inherited. But from this place of, of sonship and inheritance, and we get into the bless me, God, look what I've been blessed with. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he blessed you for a purpose. He didn't bless you just for you. He did bless you for you. He didn't bless you just for you. He blessed you to be able to become a blessing to the world. And then we look what's going on in the world, I'm actually not worried about the darkness I see rising because I know I carry the solution to it. I know I am a solution because I carry the Father's heart. I'm made in his image. Everything that's his is mine, and everything that's mine is his. There's this beautiful thing that I'm able to release, the goodness of God everywhere I go. I don't even worry about when demons manifest. That doesn't freak me out. Do we need to know their names? It isn't really important. All we need to know is the impact they're having on people. Kick their butt out and bring the fullness of God inside the person. We've been given a kingdom power, a kingdom responsibility to declare and decree. The maturity and the humility of the heart, though, is matters in this matter. So I've been thinking a lot about this is through a process. We're all going through a process. When my spiritual papa passed last year at 86 years old, he told me, I'm still maturing. I'm still in my process. But he didn't let the process stop him from actually releasing where he had grown in to the world around him. And there's something I see in this is if we're going to decree and declare, we've fallen into the same trap that Adam and Eve did. What was the trap of Adam and Eve? They had the image of God. They had the spirit and breath of God living inside of them. What was the trap they fell into? They listened to the voice of the enemy that says God withheld something from them. There was some secret knowledge that was out there, and there was something, a revelation outside of who God is and what he'd already given to them. And what was that knowledge? The knowledge of good and evil. 
And so they traded their life connection to God for the knowledge of good and evil, and suddenly their life died. Physically, body, it took a while to catch up, but their spirit died in that moment, and they began to operate. They began to judge each other. They began to judge their kids. They began to perpetuate and be fruitful and multiply, which was part of the original mandate, but they began to be fruitful and multiply the knowledge of good and evil versus the knowledge of life. When Jesus came, he says, I killed that tree. He hung, listen to this, I would propose to you the tree that Jesus hung on was the knowledge of good and evil. Proving once and for all that good and evil knowledge will never make you alive. But only life in him makes you alive. And so if we're going to decree and declare, we need to stop looking at our society and using our eyes to say, because we do have the knowledge of good and evil now, and saying, oh, that's evil and that's good, and that's evil and that's good. And therefore, we come up with a solution according to the good and the evil rather than what's God's solution. And we pray in prayer meetings, Lord, we see the evil in our lands. Would you just slay the devil? Would you just get those sinful people? Oh, come revival. And all we're praying from is a heart of the knowledge of good and evil, not the heart of life. And we wonder why churches have been filled with religion because religion will bring you back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What you can do to be saved versus what he did to make you saved. What you can do to make yourself holy versus what he's already done to make you holy. I'm not even mad at religious people. I'm not angry. Do you know that? I'm not mad at the devil. The devil's going to do what the devil's going to do. He's a snake. Snakes bite. I don't have to be mad at him to cut his head off. I have to love the people he's biting. I have to fall in love with my city. I have to fall in love with people of the opposite political party. It's probably no secret what political party I kind of belong to, but I pray for Joe Biden. The Lord smacked me upside the head so bad on my sabbatical and said, Son, you want to carry revival to your city and your nation? I said, Yes, sir. He says, You better stop speaking a curse over your president. Because <laughs> the office of the presidency carries an anointing upon it. I said, Does that mean Nancy Pelosi too? He's like, I have a responsibility not to judge people in the world according to the knowledge of good and evil. I have a responsibility to love them according to the knowledge of life. And yes, we can bring about political solutions. Yes, we can organize and pass legislation and do all those things. But it won't be because our hearts are out of whack. Here's what I'm afraid of. Not really afraid, but here's what could happen. We could get every single thing we want morality-wise in our nation because at one time we had it, and we still would lose the nation because we would do it with a heart that's far from him. And revival never comes to a heart that's far from his heart. Awakening never comes to a heart that's far from his heart. Repent. For the kingdom is at hand, a superior kingdom, a superior reality. A good father is here. A good king is here. He has life in his hand. He has joy to give you. He has hope to pour into you and pour through you. We have a reason to be excited in the darkest day in our lifetime. It's not the darkest day ever. The darkest day was Jesus died. And the brightest day was that moment he walked out of the tomb. And he's like, but it's supposed to get brighter there's that song, um, Forever, we sing, and it goes through the, the tomb. And, and then on that day, you know, whenever he came walking out of the tomb, and we all go, yay, Jesus. How about we bring the empty tomb to the world? Not just celebrate it in a church service. How about the fact that you've been resurrected with Christ, bringing that to the world? 
So be sure not to declare and decree according to the knowledge of good and evil, but only from the heart of the Father. See, declarations and decrees are two separate things, but they're closely aligned. Let me give you a quick definition of a declaration. The Hebrew word for declaration means to make known or to give an accounting. Custom agents, whenever you come into our nation, they ask, do you have anything to what? Declare. And so what is it? I'm presenting something. I'm presenting a truth. I'm presenting something to actually be legally examined. That's a declaration. The next part is this, is a decree. A decree is a legal statement that carries the authority of a court order. A decree is a legal statement that carries the authority of a court order. The Hebrew word for for decree is, listen to this, to divide, to separate, and to destroy. It's kind of interesting. We use this, I declare and I decree. Do you realize what you're separating? Do you realize what you're destroying? Do you really have an idea what you're praying for? Are you just saying, bless me, bless me, bless me? Whenever I decree the truth of God, I'm actually saying, I'm dividing away from the things that are not God. I'm dividing away from the knowledge of the good of evil. I'm dividing myself away, and my heart is only for him. And I'm actually bringing a legal court declaration. It'd be one thing right now if a a police officer uh, who's off-duty from another state comes and pulls you over. They might actually have a badge, and they might actually have been trained in law enforcement, and they might even have the lights. We don't have the lights on the top anymore. You might have the lights. But they actually don't have the ability to decree you legal or you guilty of speeding. Why? Because they don't have authority in this district or this region. And so we have to come into this place of saying that a decree has a legal benefit. According to Elizabeth Nixon, it says, Decrees are a tool by which we can cause the truths of the heavenly realm to be manifest in the natural realm. Decrees are a tool by which we can cause the truths of the heavenly realm to be manifest in the natural realm. Job 22, 27, and 28 says this, You will pray to him, and he will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will also decree a thing. Let me hear you say decree a thing. And it will be established for you, and light will shine on your ways. It's a legal thing, the establishment in the courts of heaven. That's why when Jesus says you have, the, you have the authority, what you bind on the earth is already bound in heaven. What you bind in, and what you loose on the earth is loosed in heaven. It's because there's an establishment of a decree according to as it is in heaven, bringing it here in the earth. According to David Crone, declarations, they activate desire. They define purpose, and they cement our intention. They're often the spark that sets things into motion. They also empower forward motion, reveal intent, and set the mark for future action and draw a line in the sand. The Declaration of Independence is not our Constitution. It's not what we're governed by. But it was the line in the sand that says we are declaring, we're making it known to the authorities of the King of England that we are separating from you. We were declaring something. The Constitution, after we won the war, actually de- decreed what, the, what that would actually look like, what our government would look like. So we have to both decree, declare and to decree. The Bible starts with a declaration. Let there be light. Do you understand that? Let there be light is a declaration. And it fiz- finishes in Revelation with a declaration from God's people saying, Amen, yes, let it be so. He begins the Bible with a declaration. He ends the Bible with a declaration. And I would propose to you that while more of this is not going to be written, but your lives are supposed to be a walking declaration, a walking decree of the goodness of God everywhere that you go. Isaiah 55.11, look in your Bibles. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Declare and decree. When I declare the word of God, it can just be a word that hangs in the air. I'm declaring to the enemy my intentions, but when I follow back up and decree the authority of the word of God, it causes things to shift. You know, when it says resist the devil and he must flee, what are you doing in that moment? You're actually declaring to him, I am a child of God, and I decree to you have no legal authority in my life. I've resisted you. And the reason he has to leave you is because he's legally bound by the kingdom of heaven to leave you. He cannot override 
the legal decrees of the kingdom of heaven. You say, well, why do I still struggle? Why does the enemy come at me? Sometimes it's because we have allowed things in our life where the enemy can hold legal paperwork to go to the court of heaven and say, hey, this one, their heart's out of alignment with me. I get to mess with them, right? And the Lord goes, yep, legally you get to mess with them because they've opened up their heart for you to mess with them. But it's in that moment where we go, I right align my heart, my character, my nature back with who God is and who he's made me to be. In that moment of repentance, what ends up happening is I'm able to go back into the court of heaven and say this, the places that the devil once held in me or my family, I actually have a royal decree that says it's no longer valid and the enemy loses his ability to actually come to steal, kill, and destroy from you as a nature of a legal matter. He may still tempt you. He may still come after you. But all he's trying to do in his temptation is for you to give up your royal decree of legality to him. If you've ever heard, well, the devil comes in the middle of the night. What about your kids? And they're going to school. And what's happening in, in universities today? It's, a, it's just a progressive hellhole. And they're coming back on this. And, and the enemy starts going, you're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose your kids. Why are you giving that place a land? Why are you listening to the decree of the devil? He's already been defeated. That's the moment you say, no, 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 devil, you don't understand this. I've been bought by the blood of the lamb, and I have authority to decree to you that you actually have to leave your hands off my kids. And you ask me, does that mean, what if they're not saved? What if they lost? Yes. I have legal authority. Now, their choices can still open the door, of course. But I'm telling you, there's something... We experienced this recently with some things. The prayers of grandparents and aunts and uncles. We lost our, our, our 15-year-old nephew, Brandon. And I was going to the Lord. I'm asking him, Lord, did I tell him enough that I loved him? Did I tell him enough about you? And the Lord shows me this picture when he was with the Lord before he passed. And the Lord began to show all these decrees, all these seeds that had been sown in his heart about the gospel, the good news. Every time his grandfather talked to him, every time his grandmother lifted up a prayer, every time that his uncles said something, his aunt said something, it was all these royal decrees that were there. And in that moment, the Lord showed him, says, this is what's been decreed about your life. Are you going to come into alignment with it? And in that moment, he did. I saw it. I had a vision. Even when they die, the devil doesn't win. He does not have final say. You know how much your character matters? Sometimes we think that we can just babble. I can find a word in Scripture and out of fear, the wrong heart, wrong motivation, out of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'll just fill the earth, and I start declaring and decreeing a bunch of stuff, and it seems like it doesn't matter. And you know why? Because it doesn't. Because a heart that's far from him actually doesn't have legal authority to move a thing. Did you know you don't even have to have a tongue to be able to declare his goodness? I, told, I asked her permission yesterday. My mom had surgery to remove a tumor from her tongue, and they had to reconstruct her tongue. She's not speaking for a good month. But the Lord in these last couple of years, she's become a mighty intercessor. I mean, like that woman screwed, I mean, like the devil screwed up whenever he went after her. And before she went in, because we were praying for radical healing, I believe in critical miracles. I've seen tumors fall off of people. I'm like, all right, if you don't hear, you can do it here. And we went into that surgery, and she says, even if I have to go through the surgery, I'm telling the Lord right now, I'm coming out speaking in tongues, not just being able to speak human language. Why? Her heart all she can do to me right now, because she can't talk. But her heart and her spirit is declaring things in the heavenly realms, and the Lord hears the heart. Why do I share that with you? It doesn't matter this. It matters the overflow of the heart. Knowledge of good and evil or life? Beloved identity or orphanhood? All about me? or it's all about him. And over the flow of that heart, declares something, even at the natural tongue, I ain't called da, 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 da. Something's been released in the spirit realm. 
So shall it be my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which it was sent. That's what the Lord said. And as the Lord is, so are we in this world. One of the most powerful declarations by Jesus was in John 19.30. He says this, it is what? Let me ask you the question, those who struggled with the completed work of Jesus. Was Jesus' final declaration not enough? Was he lying? Or does it carry the authority of heaven? It is finished. The work to redeem you, the work to purchase you, the work to set you free, the work to transform you, it is finished. And by our declarations, the agreement of our heart, we begin to say, I believe that. That's why it says, if you believe in your heart that the the Lord raised Jesus from the grave and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It says, because believing in your heart, you're born again. But it's the confession of your mouth that you're what? Saved. Declaration, a decree. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We can turn everything into a negative. So there's been a lot of times avoiding the things that we're not supposed to say. Oh, don't declare that. Don't declare that. That's all the negative stuff. Instead of, what if I just filled my mind with the things I'm supposed to declare? What are the things that bring life? What are the things that need to be dead? The plans of the enemy, they need to be dead. The old me needs to be dead, right? My old way of living is dead. It's okay to declare that, but I must spend my time decreeing the good things that he's doing and releasing life everywhere I go. John 6.63 says this, It is the spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There's no profit in it. But the words and the truths that I've been speaking to you are spirit and their life. In the message version of that same verse, it says, the spirit can make life. Sheer muscle and willpower don't make anything happen. Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word, and so it's a life-making word. Isn't that powerful? Let me just talk real briefly. I'm not worrying about the clock today, so we'll be okay. We'll get you up by five o'clock because I have somewhere to be. Um, A couple years ago, the Lord began to speak to me because I did not come from uh, this stream, the name and claimant stream. I, I grew up Catholic. I was saved. There's a longer story to it, uh, non-denomination world. But I didn't grow up in a charismatic world, and I didn't grow up in the name and claimant side of things. And there's been a lot of shade that's been thrown at name and claimant. And, and part of the reason was this, right principle of the kingdom. Here's a promise of God. I name the promise. I declare the promise of God, and I claim it. I decree that it's mine. And how many people know that's biblical? That's absolutely biblical. Where it got into the weeds is when orphans started to say, hey, if it works here, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. They did it all just to be blessed or only for selfish motivations, never for the will of God. And so it got into the weeds, and there was a lot of prominent things that were actually put out there that, that were throwing shade on the legitimate. The only reason the enemy actually tried to hijack them and claim it, because it works. Okay? And so it's important for us to come into alignment with the truth of God, the promise of God, and we must declare it to our hearts, to our minds, to our souls, to our families, to our children. Declare the word of God. Declare the promises of God. But we have to move beyond the declaration, and we've got to move into the legal decree where we really believe, so therefore that means this. We can't keep, you can't say this, you're the head and not the tail, and not actually live as the head. See, a lot of things, we declare things in church that we don't actually live out Monday through Saturday. I'm the head, not the tail, but Monday through Saturday, I am getting my butt kicked Satan's stomping all over me. It's his tail in the hallway. But it'll be glorious when I come back to church next week and I get to declare the goodness of God and then go live like hell again. And the Lord's like, eh, how about you try it my way? 
How about you bring your heart into alignment with my truth that if he says, you have the head, you're the authority, stop buying what the enemy's selling you. Stop believing lies. Stop giving it a place to land. I like what Dan Muller says. It's like this airplane that's kind of flying around, and it could be whatever issue you deal with, but it doesn't have a place in you because you become born again. But it's looking for a place to land, and what we end up doing is we actually end up like putting our hand out so it has a place for that plane to land, and now it has authority inside of our life. What if we just took away the landing strip? How do you do that? Decree the truth and live it. Psalm 2, 7 through 8 says this, I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son today. I've become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. This is a messianic prophecy. When David's writing this, this is what Jesus would do, where it does say, remember when he's baptized in the water, today you are my son in whom I'm well pleased and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. But if you've been born again, you've been born again in the image of Christ. He was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so what's true about Jesus in terms of what he inherits is actually true for you. And so what if you turn Psalm 2, 7 through 8 into a declaration and a royal decree inside of your own life? I will declare the Lord's decree. The Father has said to me, I am his son. And today he has become my father, I can ask of him anything, and he will give me the nations as my inheritance. Do you feel the power in that? It's not the power of positive thinking. That's got limited benefit. That's the knowledge of what? Good and evil. There is a temporary benefit to the knowledge of good and evil. It just never brings you sustaining life. So you must view even the knowledge of good and evil through the lens of life. Mark chapter 11, why don't you open that up to your, in your scriptures here. Y'all doing okay? It's so good to be back with y'all. Mark chapter 11, verse 19. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree that Jesus had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Notice it withered from the roots up. It didn't wither from the top down. That's, that's important. A decree will actually wither the roots of a thing so it can no longer produce life. This is important to understand. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to his disciples, listen to this, have faith in God. That's actually a poor translation. I go back to the Young's literal translation, and it means this, have faith of God. It's not wrong to have faith in God and who he is. God. What does God believe can happen? Do you believe it? Well, I believe God can do it. That's not what I asked you. Do you have the same faith that God? It's not about just having faith in who he is. It's coming into alignment with who he's made you to be to carry the same faith that God operates in. So he says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. It's kind of where the name and claim it started too. But when you're praying first, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Isn't it amazing that Jesus pauses before he's crucified to give them an example what declare and decree actually looks like? And he says this, you have the authority to declare and decree, but make sure your heart's in right alignment. If, if you're holding something against somebody, you, you need to release forgiveness, or somebody's holding against you, before you declare and decree anything, go clean your heart up. Go clean your relationship up. This is why ministry is not first about what we get to do out there. Ministry is all about what he wants to do in here. And then from this place of a whole heart, I get to decree and declare the wholeness of God. 
just because, just like Adam and Eve, that were fruitful and multiplied, and they actually multiplied sin into the next generation because they actually could not deal with their separation from God. But now that you've been born again, Jesus has come. You've given your life to him. You've been reconciled to God. You actually have wholeness inside of your heart, inside of your life. You don't carry a sin nature. You carry the son nature. Scripture also says he's given you everything you need to live the life of godliness. From that place, get your heart in alignment and go find some fig trees that actually need to wither from the roots up. And maybe you start in your own family line. Man, you know what? Our family, we're real snarky. And, and look, I, we, we joke on our family. Uh, harassing humor is a, is a love language sometimes, okay? Especially my spiritual family. But the Bible also says, beware of coarse jokes. Maybe you, you have this one where, like, we we. we we harass each other, but it's actually got a bite to it. We need to decree that we're no longer going to use our words to tear each other down, but only words that are going to lift each other up. You say, well, what about the, the drought we're in in, the, in, the, in our Texas and the nation? You'll get to that, but you can't handle the drought if you can't handle your family. Some of you got that. Come on. You got to get your boots ready to march. Let's deal with our hearts, clean our hearts up. Declarations are vital to bringing heaven to earth. We must make sure that we don't spend all our time waiting for Jesus to announce his return, but instead do what he said we could do, which was to announce he has already come and his kingdom is already present here. Let me just say this. The second coming of Jesus matters. Can we all agree with that? Theologically, The second coming of Jesus matters, but it's not my responsibility. We spend so much time, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? When's he coming back? Let's write 88 reasons why he was going to come back in 88 and he didn't show up. Is he running late? Did he forget us? Because our eyes were on the wrong thing. And there was a generation in the church that spent times waiting for his return instead of doing what the angels told the disciples. Jesus, on the day of his ascension, And he rises up, and right before that, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you in power when you go into Jerusalem and wait for me there. But he's going to endue you with power so you can be my witnesses to all the earth. And so Jesus rises up, and they're like, do you still still see him? And these two angels appear and said, fellas, what are you doing? He's coming back the same way you saw him leave. Get the work. What did he tell you to do? I'm not called to steward his second coming. I'm called to steward a harvest that welcomes him in his second coming. Come on, that was better than you thought. I'm not called to steward the second coming. I am called to steward the work of the kingdom here and now. So when he comes back, he goes, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, I came back to a, to a kingdom family that welcomed me and gets caught up when he comes back. Y'all awake? Here's the guy you got to figure out. People are waiting for God to show up. Let me give you a quick verse. Luke chapter 23, verse 15 and 51. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Luke 23, 15 and 51. Now, there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decisions and actions of other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting. Listen to this. He was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. I'm telling you right now, there's people in your family, in your places of work, and people you've never met who are waiting for God to show up. They may not know they're waiting for God to show up, but they're tired out, they're burned out, they're, they're riddled with diseases, they're, they're, their family is a jacked-up mess, they're worried about how they're going to pay their bills, they're worrying, like, is that all there is to life? Is this hell while we're here? And they're actually waiting for the kingdom of God to show up because only the kingdom of God could be the answer to the prayers they've lifted up. Do you understand that? 
even in that place of unbelief, and they're crying out, what did God say when he, when he sent Moses to go rescue the, the children of Israel in, in Egypt? I have heard their cries. The Lord has heard the cries of the world. Jesus says, I didn't come to judge the world, but save it. He will judge the world in the great throne judgment. That's going to happen. There's going to be a white throne, and he's going to judge, and here comes the sheep, and him comes the That's happening. That's his responsibility. But today, I have a royal responsibility to declare and decree. I have the power, I have the dynamite power, and I have the legal responsibility to actually declare that the kingdom is here. Because they're waiting for you to show up. They're not waiting for me, the preacher. People are so far from God, they they don't want a preacher. They don't need you to preach at them. But they do need a kingdom father and a kingdom mother that comes walking by says, I see you. I see you're hurting. Can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Can I, let me pull up some money. Can I buy you groceries? Can, can I be generous? The Lord said this to I'm going to read to you again. I, I opened the service with Psalm 112. I want you to hear this. This is a New Living Translation, but it says this, Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Isn't it amazing that obedience isn't a hard thing? It's actually a joyful thing. It's a delightful thing. But listen to what it says. The next generation that comes out of that, their children will be successful everywhere reproducing the life of the kingdom so everywhere we go, it's a father and that's a mother that's reproducing the life of the kingdom everywhere they go. It says their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the, God, for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will long be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. How about you turn off Fox News or CNN until you don't fear it? I'm just saying. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless. They can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence. Let me hear you say influence. They will have influence and honor. That's not just influence and honor in the church building. That's influence in the houses of government in the education mountain, in the family mountain, in business world, in uh, arts, entertainment, everywhere. Do you understand that? This is, there's, a, there's an honor, there's an influence, an honor that comes to those. It says, the wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger, and they will slink away their hopes thwarted. How many people realize he's not talking about a human enemy? He's talking about the demons. Your battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities of darkness. Once you go to thwart their hope, because you showed up. Why don't you stand with me? Learn to take the things that God has already said because his word's eternal and turn them into declarations over your life, your family, your city, your work, situations, and beyond. Decree and declare. So just right where you're at right now, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? Like, let's put into practice. Holy Spirit, I declare that I am your child and you say that I can hear you. 
There might be some in this room right now that you do not yet know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. When I participated in the, keep your eyes closed, but when I participated in the funeral for my 15-year-old nephew, there was a room full, full of teenagers as well as a room full of adults who were shaken because they couldn't understand what happened. But I'm telling you, the moment I began to preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, their eyes looked up and they began to understand there's something more than this life. If you're in this place, whether you're listening online or just present with me now, and you've never given your heart fully to Jesus, why don't you do it right now? I just declare to you right now that the blood of Jesus is enough. I just declare to you that when Jesus went to the cross, he was actually going to cross for you as much as for me. I just declare right now that when he said, it is finished, that he paid the price to redeem you from darkness and bring you into light. So if that's you right now, there's power in the declaration about the gospel of salvation. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to look at me. But if that's you right now, why don't you make a decree with me that says, I accept the work of Jesus. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I decree that I was a sinner hopelessly lost, but in Jesus I'm forever found. I repent from an old way of working, living, and thinking. And I declare from this day on, I'm his child. Holy Spirit, come into this room right now. There's a harvest that's actually taking place. I can sense it. If you're in the room right now and you've been born again, but you've struggled with it, it's time to put it to rest. So why don't you just declare with me, Jesus, Jesus, you are enough. You are enough. And I decree, I decree that my life, that my life fully belongs to you. Fully belongs to you. I decree, I decree that I will no longer live, that I will no longer live according to my own ways. According to my own ways. But only, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a moment, boom. Orphan spirit broken now. Fearful spirit now. You've lost your hope. Spirit of addiction, boom. Now you're lost. I just I hear them that they're they're actually slinking away. Their hope has been thwarted. Because their assignment was to take you out. But the assignment of Jesus has canceled their assignment. So Holy Spirit, would you just begin to speak life into every single person right now? And I just declare over you right now that God is good. So therefore, we will not sacrifice our destiny or our life message on the altar of our grief. We just declare that God is good, so therefore we will not exchange the joy of the Father for a life of anger, bitterness, or sadness. We declare that God is good, so therefore our life message will never be held hostage to our losses. We declare that God is good, so therefore the legacy that comes out of this experience will be that our latter years were greater than our former. We declare that at the place of our deepest loss, we choose to become better We declare that God is good, so therefore we will turn away every place of sorrow into a spring of refreshment. Every disappointment 
we will raise the volume of our worship. And in the face of oppression, we will tune our harps and sing the song of the Lord. We declare that this is a year of jubilee. I declare over you that this is a year of unprecedented opportunity, that doors are wide open, that treasure chests are unlocked, and that fresh divine adventures are awaiting you. I declare that this is a year of unparalleled increase, that there's an increase in revelation, increase in community and family, an increase in prosperity in the soul, and an increase God encounters. I declare over you now that this is a year of unequaled redemption. What has been lost will be recovered. What has been stolen will be restored with interest. And what has been abandoned will be reclaimed. And we declare that in this year, our past failures and our wasted opportunities will become stepping stones into new levels, unexplored territories, and incomparable victories. We declare that we are letting go of what was, and we are embracing what now is. And we are reaching with anticipation and expectancy for what will be. For we declare and decree that we now live in the acceptable year of our Lord. And we command a lifetime of his commanded blessings, his favor and jubilee inside of our hearts now. And so just now as a father of this house, I bless you in the name of Jesus with peace. I bless you right now with greater insight into the heart of the Father than you've ever experienced before. May he keep you. May he keep you safe. His eyes are already shining upon you. May your eyes look up and gaze his eyes so you might become fully who he's made you to be. And I release this decree in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.